Section thirteen of Confessions, Volumes three and four. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Giessen. Confessions, Volumes three and four, by Jean Jacques Rousseau. Anonymously translated. Section thirteen i did not return to nyon but to lausanne wishing to gratify myself with a view of that beautiful lake which is seen there in its utmost extent the greater part of my secret motives have not been so reasonable distant expectation has rarely strength enough to influence my actions the uncertainty of the future ever making me regard projects whose execution requires a length of time as deceitful lures i give in to visionary scenes of hope as well as others provided they cost nothing but if attended with any trouble i have done with them the smallest the most trifling pleasure that is conveniently within my reach tempts me more than all the joys of paradise i must accept however those pleasures which are necessarily followed by pain i only love those enjoyments which are unadulterated which can never be the case where we are conscious they must be followed by repentance it was necessary i should arrive at some place and the nearest was best for having lost my way on the road i found myself in the evening at moudon where i spent all that remained of my little stock except ten kreutzers which served to purchase my next day's dinner arriving in the evening at lausanne i went into an alehouse without a penny in my pocket to pay for my lodging or knowing what would become of me i found myself extremely hungry setting therefore a good face on the matter i ordered supper made my meal went to bed without thought and slept with great composure in the morning having breakfasted and reckoned with my host i offered to leave my waistcoat in pledge for seven bats which was the amount of my expenses the honest man refused this saying thank heaven he had never stripped any one and would not now begin for seven bats adding i should keep my waistcoat and pay him when i could i was affected with this unexpected kindness but felt it less than i ought to have done or have since experienced on the remembrance of it i did not fail sending him his money with thanks by one i could depend on fifteen years after passing lausanne on my return from italy 
i felt a sensible regret at having forgotten the name of the landlord and house i wished to see him and should have felt real pleasure in recalling to his memory that worthy action services which doubtless have been much more important but rendered with ostentation have not appeared to me so worthy of gratitude as the simple unaffected humanity of this honest man as i approached lausanne i thought of my distress and the means of extricating myself without appearing in want to my stepmother i compared myself in this walking pilgrimage to my friend venture on his arrival at annecy and was so warmed with the idea that without recollecting that i had neither his gentility nor his talents i determined to act the part of little venture at lausanne to teach music which i did not understand and say i came from paris where i had never been in consequence of this noble project as there was no company where i could introduce myself without expense and not choosing to venture among professional people i inquired for some little inn where i could lodge cheap and was directed to one named perrotet who took in boarders this perrotet was one of the best men in the world received me very kindly and after having heard my feigned story and profession promised to speak of me and endeavoured to procure me scholars saying he should not expect any money till i had earned it his price for board though moderate in itself was a great deal to me he advised me therefore to begin with half board which consisted of good soup only for dinner but a plentiful supper at night i closed with this proposition and the poor perrotet trusted me with great cheerfulness sparing meantime no trouble to be useful to me having found so many good people in my youth why do i find so few in my age is their race extinct no but i do not seek them in the same situation i did formerly among the commonality where violent passions predominate only at intervals and where nature speaks her genuine sentiments in more elevated stations they are entirely smothered and under the mask of sentiment only interest or vanity is heard having written to my father from lausanne he sent my packet and some excellent advice of which i should have profited better 
i have already observed that i have moments of inconceivable delirium in which i am entirely out of myself the adventure i am about to relate is an instance of this to comprehend how completely my brain was turned and to what degree i had venturized if i may be allowed the expression the many extravagances i ran into at the same time should be considered behold me then a singing-master without knowing how to note a common song for if the five or six months passed with le maitre had improved me they could not be supposed sufficient to qualify me for such an undertaking besides being taught by a master was enough as i have before observed to make me learn ill being a parisian from geneva and a catholic in a protestant country i thought i should change my name with my religion and country still approaching as near as possible to the great model i had in view he called himself venture de villeneuve i changed by anagram the name rousseau into that of vaussard calling myself monsieur vaussard de villeneuve venture was a good composer though he had not said so without knowing anything of the art i boasted of my skill to every one this was not all being presented to monsieur de Frétorance, professor of law who loved music and who gave concerts at his house nothing would do but i must give him a proof of my talents and accordingly i set about composing a piece for his concerts as boldly as if i had really understood the science i had the constancy to labour a fortnight at this curious business to copy it fair write out the different parts and distribute them with as much assurance as if they had been masterpieces of harmony in short what will hardly be believed though strictly true i tacked a very pretty minuet to the end of it that was commonly played about the streets and which many may remember from these words so well known at that time quel caprice quel injustice quoi tu clarisses trahirait tes feux venture had taught me this air with the bass set to other words by the help of which i had retained it thus at the end of my composition i put this minuet and bass suppressing the words and uttering it for my own as confidently as if i had been speaking to the inhabitants of the moon they assembled to perform my piece 
i explain to each the movement taste of execution and references to his part i was fully occupied they were five or six minutes preparing which were for me so many ages at length everything is adjusted myself in a conspicuous situation a fine roll of paper in my hand gravely preparing to beat time i gave four or five strokes with my paper attending with take care they begin no never since french operas existed was there such a confused discord the minuet however presently put all the company in a good humour hardly was it begun before i heard bursts of laughter from all parts every one congratulated me on my pretty taste for music declaring this minuet would make me spoken of and that i merited the loudest praise it is not necessary to describe my uneasiness or to own how much i deserved it next day one of the musicians named lutold came to see me and was kind enough to congratulate me on my success the profound conviction of my folly shame regret and the state of despair to which i was reduced with the impossibility of concealing the cruel agitation of my heart made me open it to him giving therefore a loose to my tears not content with owning my ignorance i told all conjuring him to secrecy he kept his word as every one will suppose the same evening all lausanne knew who i was but what is remarkable no one seemed to know not even the good perrotet who notwithstanding what had happened continued to lodge and board me i led a melancholy life here the consequences of such an essay had not rendered lausanne a very agreeable residence scholars did not present themselves in crowds not a single female and not a person of the city i had only two or three great dunces as stupid as i was ignorant who fatigued me to death and in my hands were not likely to edify much at length i was sent for to a house where a little serpent of a girl amused herself by showing me a parcel of music that i could not read a note of and which she had the malice to sing before her master to teach him how it should be executed for i was so unable to read an air at first sight 
that in the charming concert i have just described i could not possibly follow the execution a moment or know whether they played truly what lay before them and i myself had composed in the midst of so many humiliating circumstances i had the pleasing consolation from time to time of receiving letters from my two charming friends i have ever found the utmost consolatory virtue in the fair when in disgrace nothing softens my affliction more than to be sensible that an amiable woman is interested for me this correspondence ceased soon after and was never renewed indeed it was my own fault for in changing situations i neglected sending my address and forced by necessity to think perpetually of myself i soon forgot them end of section 13 recording by martin geeson in hazelmere surrey section fourteen of confessions volumes three and four this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by martin geeson confessions volumes three and four by jean jacques rousseau anonymously translated section fourteen it is a long time since i mentioned madame de varens but it should not be supposed that i had forgotten her never was she a moment absent from my thoughts i anxiously wished to find her not merely because she was necessary to my subsistence but because she was infinitely more necessary to my heart my attachment to her though lively and tender as it really was did not prevent my loving others but then it was not in the same manner all equally claimed my tenderness for their charms but it was those charms alone i loved my passion would not have survived them while madame de varens might have become old or ugly without my loving her the less tenderly my heart had entirely transmitted to herself the homage it first paid to her beauty and whatever change she might experience while she remained herself my sentiments could not change i was sensible how much gratitude i owed to her but in truth i never thought of it and whether she served me or not it would ever have been the same thing i loved her neither from duty interest nor convenience i loved her because i was born to love her during my attachment to another i own this affection was in some measure deranged 
i did not think so frequently of her but still with the same pleasure and never in love or otherwise did i think of her without feeling that i could expect no true happiness in life while in a state of separation though in so long a time i had received no news from madame de varence i never imagined i had entirely lost her or that she could have forgotten me i said to myself she will know sooner or later that i am wandering about and will find some means to inform me of her situation i am certain i shall find her in the meantime it was a pleasure to live in her native country to walk in the streets where she had walked and before the houses that she had lived in yet all this was the work of conjecture for one of my foolish peculiarities was not daring to inquire after her or even pronounce her name without the most absolute necessity it seemed in speaking of her that i declared all i felt that my lips revealed the secrets of my heart and in some degree injured the object of my affection i believe fear was likewise mingled with this idea i dreaded to hear ill of her her management had been much spoken of and some little of her conduct in other respects fearing therefore that something might be said which i did not wish to hear i preferred being silent on the subject as my scholars did not take up much of my time and the town where she was born was not above four leagues from lausanne i made it a walk of three or four days during which time a most pleasant emotion never left me a view of the lake of geneva and its admirable banks had ever in my idea a particular attraction which i cannot describe not arising merely from the beauty of the prospect but something else i know not why more interesting which affects and softens me every time i have approached the vaudois country i have experienced an impression composed of the remembrance of madame de varence who was born there of my father who lived there of mademoiselle vulson who had been my first love and of several pleasant journeys i had made there in my childhood mingled with some nameless charm more powerfully attractive than all the rest when that ardent desire for a life of happiness and tranquillity which ever follows me and for which i was born inflames my mind tis ever to the country of vaux near the lake in those charming plains that imagination leads me an orchard on the banks of that lake and no other is absolutely necessary 
a firm friend an amiable woman a cow and a little boat nor could i enjoy perfect happiness on earth without these concomitants i laugh at the simplicity with which i have several times gone into that country for the sole purpose of seeking this imaginary happiness when i was ever surprised to find the inhabitants particularly the women of a quite different disposition to what i sought how strange did this appear to me the country and the people who inhabit it were never in my idea formed for each other walking along these beautiful banks on my way to vevey i gave myself up to the soft melancholy my heart rushed with ardour into a thousand innocent felicities melting to tenderness i sighed and wept like a child how often stopping to weep more at my ease and seated on a large stone did i amuse myself with seeing my tears drop into the water on my arrival at vevey i lodged at the quay and during the two days i remained there without any acquaintance conceived a love for that city which has followed me through all my travels and was finally the cause that i fixed on this spot in the novel i afterwards wrote for the residence of my hero and heroines i would say to any one who has taste and feeling go to vevey visit the surrounding country examine the prospects go on the lake and then say whether nature has not designed this country for a julie a claire and a saint preux but do not seek them there i now return to my story giving myself out for a catholic i followed without mystery or scruple the religion i had embraced on a sunday if the weather was fine i went to hear mass at Asson, a place two leagues distant from lausanne and generally in company with other catholics particularly a parisian embroiderer whose name i have forgotten not such a parisian as myself but a real native of paris an arch parisian from his maker yet honest as a peasant he loved his country so well that he would not doubt my being his countryman for fear he should not have so much occasion to speak of it the lieutenant-governor monsieur de crouzat had a gardener who was likewise from paris but not so complacent he thought the glory of his country concerned when any one claimed that honour who was not really entitled to it 
he put questions to me therefore with an air and tone as if certain to detect me in a falsehood and once smiling malignantly asked what was remarkable in the marché neuf it may be supposed i asked the question but i have since passed twenty years at paris and certainly know that city yet was the same question repeated at this day i should be equally embarrassed to answer it and from this embarrassment it might be concluded i had never been there thus even when we meet with truths we are subject to build our opinions on circumstances which may easily deceive us i formed no ideas while at lausanne that were worth recollecting nor can i say exactly how long i remained there i only know that not finding sufficient to subsist on i went from thence to neuchatel where i passed the winter here i succeeded better i got some scholars and saved enough to pay my good friend perrotet who had faithfully sent my baggage though at that time i was considerably in his debt by continuing to teach music i insensibly gained some knowledge of it the life i led was sufficiently agreeable and any reasonable man might have been satisfied but my unsettled heart demanded something more on sundays or whenever i had leisure i wandered sighing and thoughtful about the adjoining woods and when once out of the city never returned before night one day being at boudry i went to dine at a public-house where i saw a man with a long beard dressed in a violet-coloured grecian habit with a fur cap and whose air and manner were rather noble this person found some difficulty in making himself understood speaking only an unintelligible jargon which bore more resemblance to italian than any other language i understood almost all he said and i was the only person present who could do so for he was obliged to make his request known to the landlord and others about him by signs on my speaking a few words in italian which he perfectly understood he got up and embraced me with rapture a connection was soon formed and from that moment i became his interpreter his dinner was excellent mine rather worse than indifferent he gave me an invitation to dine with him which i accepted without much ceremony drinking and chatting soon rendered us familiar and by the end of the repast we had all the disposition in the world to become inseparable companions 
he informed me he was a greek prelate and archimandrite of jerusalem that he had undertaken to make a gathering in europe for the re-establishment of the holy sepulchre and showed me some very fine patents from the tsarina the emperor and several other sovereigns he was tolerably content with what he had collected hitherto though he had experienced inconceivable difficulties in germany for not understanding a word of german latin or french he had been obliged to have recourse to his greek or turkish or lingua franca which did not procure him much in the country he was travelling through his proposal therefore to me was that i should accompany him in the quality of secretary and interpreter in spite of my violet-coloured coat which accorded well enough with the proposed employment he guessed from my meagre appearance that i should easily be gained and he was not mistaken the bargain was soon made i demanded nothing and he promised liberally thus without any security or knowledge of the person i was about to serve i gave myself up entirely to his conduct and the next day behold me on an expedition to jerusalem end of section fourteen recording by martin geeson in hazelmere surrey section fifteen of confessions volumes three and four this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by martin geeson confessions volumes three and four by jean-jacques rousseau anonymously translated section fifteen we began our expedition unsuccessfully by the canton of fribourg episcopal dignity would not suffer him to play the beggar or solicit help from private individuals but we presented his commission to the senate who gave him a trifling sum from thence we went to berne where we lodged at the falcon then a good inn and frequented by respectable company the public table being well supplied and numerously attended i had fared indifferently so long that i was glad to make myself amends therefore took care to profit by the present occasion my lord the archimandrite was himself an excellent companion loved good cheer was gay spoke well for those who understood him and knew perfectly well how to make the most of his grecian erudition one day at dessert while cracking nuts he cut his finger pretty deeply 
and as it bled freely showed it to the company saying with a laugh mirate signori questo è sangue pelasco at berne i was not useless to him nor was my performance so bad as i had feared i certainly spoke better and with more confidence than i could have done for myself matters were not conducted here with the same simplicity as at fribourg long and frequent conferences were necessary with the premiers of the state and the examination of his titles was not the work of a day at length everything being adjusted he was admitted to an audience by the senate i entered with him as interpreter and was ordered to speak i expected nothing less for it never entered my mind that after such long and frequent conferences with the members it was necessary to address the assembly collectively as if nothing had been said judge my embarrassment a man so bashful to speak not only in public but before the whole of the senate of berne to speak impromptu without a single moment for recollection it was enough to annihilate me i was not even intimidated i described distinctly and clearly the commission of the archimandrite extolled the piety of those princes who had contributed and to heighten that of their excellencies by emulation added that less could not be expected from their well-known munificence then endeavouring to prove that this good work was equally interesting to all christians without distinction of sect and concluded by promising the benediction of heaven to all those who took part in it i will not say that my discourse was the cause of our success but it was certainly well received and on our quitting the archimandrite was gratified by a very genteel present to which some very handsome compliments were added on the understanding of his secretary these i had the agreeable office of interpreting but could not take courage to render them literally this was the only time in my life that i spoke in public and before a sovereign and the only time perhaps that i spoke boldly and well what difference in the disposition of the same person three years ago having been to see my old friend m roguin at yverdon i received a deputation to thank me for some books i had presented to the library of that city the swiss are great speakers these gentlemen accordingly made me a long harangue 
which i thought myself obliged in honour to answer but so embarrassed myself in the attempt that my head became confused i stopped short and was laughed at though naturally timid i have sometimes acted with confidence in my youth but never in my advanced age the more i have seen of the world the less i have been able to adopt its manners on leaving berne we went to soleur the archimandrite designing to re-enter germany and returned through hungary or poland to his own country this would have been a prodigious tour but as the contents of his purse rather increased than diminished during his journey he was in no haste to return for me who was almost as much pleased on horseback as on foot i would have desired no better than to have travelled thus during my whole life but it was preordained that my journey should soon end the first thing we did after our arrival at soleur was to pay our respects to the french ambassador there unfortunately for my bishop this chanced to be the marquis de bonac who had been ambassador at the porte and was acquainted with every particular relative to the holy sepulchre the archimandrite had an audience that lasted about a quarter of an hour to which i was not admitted as the ambassador spoke french and italian at least as well as myself on my grecians retiring i was prepared to follow him but was detained it was now my turn having called myself a parisian as such i was under the jurisdiction of his excellency he therefore asked me who i was exhorting me to tell the truth this i promised to do but entreated a private audience which was immediately granted the ambassador took me to his closet and shut the door there throwing myself at his feet i kept my word nor should i have said less had i promised nothing for a continual wish to unbosom myself puts my heart perpetually upon my lips after having disclosed myself without reserve to the musician lutold there was no occasion to attempt acting the mysterious with the marquis de bonac who was so well pleased with my little history and the ingenuousness with which i had related it that he led me to the ambassadress and presented me with an abridgment of my recital madame de bonac received me kindly saying i must not be suffered to follow that greek monk it was accordingly resolved that i should remain at their hotel till something better could be done for me 
i wished to bid adieu to my poor archimandrite for whom i had conceived an attachment but was not permitted they sent him word that i was to be detained there and in quarter of an hour after i saw my little bundle arrive monsieur de la martiniere secretary of the embassy had in a manner the care of me while following him to the chamber appropriated to my use he said this apartment was occupied under the comte de luc by a celebrated man of the same name as yourself it is in your power to succeed him in every respect and cause it to be said hereafter rousseau the first rousseau the second this similarity which i did not then expect would have been less flattering to my wishes could i have foreseen at what price i should one day purchase the distinction what monsieur de la martiniere had said excited my curiosity i read the works of the person whose chamber i occupied and on the strength of the compliment that had been paid me imagining i had a taste for poetry made my first essay in a cantata in praise of madame de bonac this inclination was not permanent though from time to time i have composed tolerable verses i think it is a good exercise to teach elegant turns of expression and to write well in prose but could never find attractions enough in french poetry to give entirely into it monsieur de la martiniere wished to see my style and asked me to write the detail i had before made the ambassador accordingly i wrote him a long letter which i have since been informed was preserved by monsieur de marianne who had long been attached to the marquis de bonac and has since succeeded monsieur de la martiniere as secretary to the embassy of monsieur de courteuil the experience i began to acquire tended to moderate my romantic projects for example i did not fall in love with madame de bonac but also felt i did not stand much chance of succeeding in the service of her husband Monsieur de la martiniere was already in the only place that could have satisfied my ambition and Monsieur de marianne in expectancy thus my utmost hopes could only aspire to the office of under-secretary which did not infinitely tempt me this was the reason that when consulted on the situation i should like to be placed in i expressed a great desire to go to paris the ambassador readily gave in to the idea which at least tended to disembarrass him of me monsieur de merveilleux interpreting secretary to the embassy 
said that his friend monsieur godard a swiss colonel in the service of france wanted a person to be with his nephew who had entered very young into the service and made no doubt that i should suit him on this idea so lightly formed my departure was determined and i who saw a long journey to perform with paris at the end of it was enraptured with the project they gave me several letters a hundred livres to defray the expenses of my journey accompanied with some good advice and thus equipped i departed i was a fortnight making the journey which i may reckon among the happiest days of my life i was young in perfect health with plenty of money and the most brilliant hopes add to this i was on foot and alone it may appear strange i should mention the latter circumstance as advantageous if my peculiarity of temper is not already familiar to the reader i was continually occupied with a variety of pleasing chimeras and never did the warmth of my imagination produce more magnificent ones when offered an empty place in a carriage or any person accosted me on the road how vexed was i to see that fortune overthrown whose edifice while walking i had taken such pains to rear for once my ideas were all martial i was going to live with a military man nay to become one for it was concluded i should begin with being a cadet i already fancied myself in regimentals with a fine white feather nodding on my hat and my heart was inflamed by the noble idea i had some smattering of geometry and fortification my uncle was an engineer i was in a manner a soldier by inheritance my short sight indeed presented some little obstacle but did not by any means discourage me as i reckoned to supply that defect by coolness and intrepidity i had read too that marshal schomberg was remarkably short-sighted and why might not marshal rousseau be the same my imagination was so warm by these follies that it presented nothing but troops ramparts gabions batteries and myself in the midst of fire and smoke an eyeglass in hand commanding with the utmost tranquillity notwithstanding when the country presented a delightful prospect when i saw charming groves and rivulets the pleasing sight made me sigh with regret and feel in the midst of all this glory that my heart was not formed for such havoc 
and soon without knowing how i found my thoughts wandering among my dear sheepfolds renouncing for ever the labour of mars end of section 15 recording by martin geeson in hazelmere surrey section sixteen of confessions volumes three and four this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by martin geeson confessions volumes three and four by jean jacques rousseau anonymously translated section sixteen how much did paris disappoint the idea i had formed of it the exterior decorations i had seen at turin the beauty of the streets the symmetry and regularity of the houses contributed to this disappointment since i concluded that paris must be infinitely superior i had figured to myself a splendid city beautiful as large of the most commanding aspect whose streets were ranges of magnificent palaces composed of marble and gold on entering the faubourg saint marceau i saw nothing but dirty stinking streets filthy black houses an air of slovenliness and poverty beggars carters butchers cries of diet drink and old hats this struck me so forcibly that all i have seen since of real magnificence in paris could never erase this first impression which has ever given me a particular disgust to residing in that capital and i may say the whole time i remained there afterwards was employed in seeking resources which might enable me to live at a distance from it this is the consequence of too lively imagination which exaggerates even beyond the voice of fame and ever expects more than is told i have heard paris so flatteringly described that i pictured it like the ancient babylon which perhaps had i seen i might have found equally faulty and unlike that idea the account had conveyed the same thing happened at the opera-house to which i hastened the day after my arrival i was sensible of the same deficiency at versailles and some time after on viewing the sea i am convinced this would ever be the consequence of a too flattering description of any object for it is impossible for man 
and difficult even for nature herself to surpass the riches of my imagination by the reception i met with from all those to whom my letters were addressed i thought my fortune was certainly made the person who received me the least kindly was m de surbeck to whom i had the warmest recommendation he had retired from the service and lived philosophically at bagneux where i waited on him several times without his offering me even a glass of water i was better received by madame de merveilleux sister-in-law to the interpreter and by his nephew who was an officer in the guards the mother and son not only received me kindly but offered me the use of their table which favour i frequently accepted during my stay at paris madame de merveilleux appeared to have been handsome her hair was of a fine black which according to the old mode she wore curled on the temples she still retained what do not perish with a set of features the beauties of an amiable mind she appeared satisfied with mine and did all she could to render me service but no one seconded her endeavours and i was presently undeceived in the great interest they had seemed to take in my affairs i must however do the french nation the justice to say they do not so exhaust themselves with protestations as some have represented and that those they make are usually sincere but they have a manner of appearing interested in your affairs which is more deceiving than words the gross compliments of the swiss can only impose upon fools the manners of the french are more seducing and at the same time so simple that you are persuaded they do not express all they mean to do for you in order that you may be the more agreeably surprised i will say more they are not false in their protestations being naturally zealous to oblige humane benevolent and even whatever may be said to the contrary more sincere than any other nation but they are too flighty in effect they feel the sentiments they profess for you but that sentiment flies off as instantaneously as it was formed in speaking to you their whole attention is employed on you alone when absent you are forgotten nothing is permanent in their hearts all is the work of the moment thus i was greatly flattered but received little service colonel godard for whose nephew i was recommended proved to be an avaricious old wretch 
who on seeing my distress though he was immensely rich wished to have my services for nothing meaning to place me with his nephew rather as a valet without wages than a tutor he represented that as i was to be continually engaged with him i should be excused from duty and might live on my cadet's allowance that is to say on the pay of a soldier hardly would he consent to give me a uniform thinking the clothing of the army might serve madame de merveilleux provoked at his proposals persuaded me not to accept them her son was of the same opinion something else was to be thought on but no situation was procured meantime i began to be necessitated for the hundred livres with which i had commenced my journey could not last much longer happily i received a small remittance from the ambassador which was very serviceable nor do i think he would have abandoned me had i possessed more patience but languishing waiting soliciting are to me impossible i was disheartened displeased and thus all my brilliant expectations came once more to nothing i had not all this time forgotten my dear madame de varence but how was i to find her where should i seek her madame de merveilleux who knew my story assisted me in the search but for a long time unavailingly at length she informed me that madame de varence had set out from paris about two months before but it was not known whether for savoy or turin and that some conjectured she was gone to switzerland nothing further was necessary to fix my determination to follow her certain that wherever she might be i stood more chance of finding her at those places than i could possibly do at paris before my departure i exercised my new poetical talent in an epistle to colonel godard whom i ridiculed to the utmost of my abilities i showed this scribble to madame de merveilleux who instead of discouraging me as she ought to have done laughed heartily at my sarcasms as well as her son who i believe did not like monsieur godard indeed it must be confessed he was a man not calculated to obtain affection i was tempted to send him my verses and they encouraged me in it accordingly i made them up in a parcel directed to him 
and there being no post then at paris by which i could conveniently send this i put it in my pocket and sent it to him from auxerre as i passed through that place i laugh even yet sometimes at the grimaces i fancy he made on reading this panegyric where he was certainly drawn to the life it began thus tu croyais vieux peinard qu'une folle manie d'élever ton neveu m'inspirerait l'envie this little piece which it is true was but indifferently written did not want for salt and announced a turn for satire it is notwithstanding the only satirical writing that ever came from my pen i have too little hatred in my heart to take advantage of such a talent but i believe it may be judged from those controversies in which from time to time i have been engaged in my own defence that had i been of a vindictive disposition my adversaries would rarely have had the laughter on their side what i most regret is not having kept a journal of my travels being conscious that a number of interesting details have slipped my memory for never did i exist so completely never live so thoroughly never was so much myself if i dare use the expression as in those journeys made on foot walking animates and enlivens my spirits i can hardly think when in a state of inactivity my body must be exercised to make my judgment active the view of a fine country a succession of agreeable prospects a free air a good appetite and the health i gained by walking the freedom of inns and the distance from everything that can make me recollect the dependence of my situation conspire to free my soul and give boldness to my thoughts throwing me in a manner into the immensity of beings where i combine choose and appropriate them to my fancy without constraint or fear i dispose of all nature as i please my heart wandering from object to object approximates and unites with those that please it is surrounded by charming images and becomes intoxicated with delicious sensations if attempting to render these permanent i am amused in describing to myself what glow of colouring what energy of expression do i give them it has been said that all these are to be found in my works 
though written in the decline of life oh had those of my early youth been seen those made during my travels composed but never written why did i not write them will be asked and why should i have written them i may answer why deprive myself of the actual charm of my enjoyments to inform others what i enjoyed what to me were readers the public or all the world while i was mounting the empyrean besides did i carry pens paper and ink with me had i recollected all these not a thought would have occurred worth preserving i do not foresee when i shall have ideas they come when they please and not when i call for them either they avoid me altogether or rushing in crowds overwhelm me with their force and number ten volumes a day would not suffice barely to enumerate my thoughts how then should i find time to write them in stopping i thought of nothing but a hearty dinner on departing of nothing but a charming walk i felt that a new paradise awaited me at the door and eagerly leaped forward to enjoy it never did i experience this so feelingly as in the perambulation i am now describing on coming to paris i had confined myself to ideas which related to the situation i expected to occupy there i had rushed into the career i was about to run and should have completed it with tolerable eclat but it was not that my heart adhered to some real beings obscured my imagined ones colonel godard and his nephew could not keep pace with a hero of my disposition thank heaven i was soon delivered from all these obstacles and could enter at pleasure into the wilderness of chimeras for that alone remained before me and i wandered in it so completely that i several times lost my way but this was no misfortune i would not have shortened it for feeling with regret as i approached lyon that i must again return to the material world i should have been glad never to have arrived there End of section sixteen. Recording by Martin Giessen in Hazelmere, Surrey. Section seventeen of Confessions, volumes three and four. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Giessen. 
confessions volumes three and four by jean jacques rousseau anonymously translated section seventeen one day among others having purposely gone out of my way to take a nearer view of a spot that appeared delightful i was so charmed with it and wandered round it so often that at length i completely lost myself and after several hours useless walking weary fainting with hunger and thirst i entered a peasant's hut which had not indeed a very promising appearance but was the only one i could discover near me i thought it was here as at geneva or in switzerland where the inhabitants living at ease have it in their power to exercise hospitality i entreated the countryman to give me some dinner offering to pay for it on which he presented me with some skimmed milk and coarse barley bread saying it was all he had i drank the milk with pleasure and ate the bread chaff and all but it was not very restorative to a man sinking with fatigue the countryman who watched me narrowly judged the truth of my story by my appetite and presently after having said that he plainly saw i was an honest good-natured young man and did not come to betray him opened a little trap-door by the side of his kitchen went down and returned a moment after with a good brown loaf of pure wheat the remains of a well-flavoured ham and a bottle of wine the sight of which rejoiced my heart more than all the rest he then prepared a good thick omelette and i made such a dinner as none but a walking traveller ever enjoyed when i again offered to pay his inquietude and fears returned he not only would have no money but refused it with the most evident emotion and what made this scene more amusing i could not imagine the motive of his fear at length he pronounced tremblingly those terrible words commissioners and cellar rats which he explained by giving me to understand that he concealed his wine because of the excise and his bread on account of the tax imposed on it adding he should be an undone man if it was suspected he was not almost perishing with want what he said to me on this subject of which i had not the smallest idea made an impression on my mind that can never be effaced 
sowing seeds of that inextinguishable hatred which has since grown up in my heart against the vexations these unhappy people suffer and against their oppressors this man though in easy circumstances dare not eat the bread gained by the sweat of his brow and could only escape destruction by exhibiting an outward appearance of misery i left his cottage with as much indignation as concern deploring the fate of those beautiful countries where nature has been prodigal of her gifts only that they may become the prey of barbarous exactors the incident which i have just related is the only one i have a distinct remembrance of during this journey i recollect indeed that on approaching lyon i wished to prolong it by going to see the banks of the lignon for among the romances i had read with my father l'astrée was not forgotten and returned more frequently to my thoughts than any other stopping for some refreshment while chatting with my hostess i inquired the way to forez and was informed that country was an excellent place for mechanics as there were many forges and much iron-work done there this eulogium instantly calmed my romantic curiosity for i felt no inclination to seek dianas and sylvanders among a generation of blacksmiths the good woman who encouraged me with this piece of information certainly thought i was a journeyman locksmith i had some view in going to lyon on my arrival i went to the chassat to see mademoiselle du chatelet a friend of madame de varens for whom i had brought a letter when i came there with monsieur le maitre so that it was an acquaintance already formed mademoiselle du chatelet informed me her friend had passed through lyon but could not tell whether she had gone on to piedmont being uncertain at her departure whether it would not be necessary to stop in savoy but if i chose she would immediately write for information and thought my best plan would be to remain at lyon till she received it i accepted this offer but did not tell mademoiselle du chatelet how much i was pressed for an answer and that my exhausted purse would not permit me to wait long it was not an appearance of coolness that withheld me on the contrary i was very kindly received treated on the footing of equality and this took from me the resolution of explaining my circumstances for i could not bear to descend from a companion to a miserable beggar 
i seem to have retained a very connecting remembrance of that part of my life contained in this book yet i think i remember about the same period another journey to lyon the particulars of which i cannot recollect where i found myself much straitened and a confused remembrance of the extremities to which i was reduced does not contribute to recall the idea agreeably had i been like many others had i possessed the talent of borrowing and running in debt at every alehouse i came to i might have fared better but in that my incapacity equalled my repugnance and to demonstrate the prevalence of both it will be sufficient to say that though i have passed almost my whole life in indifferent circumstances and frequently have been near wanting bread i was never once asked for money by a creditor without having it in my power to pay it instantly i could never bear to contract clamorous debts and have ever preferred suffering to owing being reduced to pass my nights in the streets may certainly be called suffering and this was several times the case at lyon having preferred buying bread with the few pence i had remaining to bestowing them on a lodging as i was convinced there was less danger of dying for want of sleep than of hunger what is astonishing while in this unhappy situation i took no care for the future was neither uneasy nor melancholy but patiently waited an answer to mademoiselle du chatelet's letter and lying in the open air stretched on the earth or on a bench slept as soundly as if reposing on a bed of roses i remember particularly to have passed a most delightful night at some distance from the city in a road which had the rhone or saone i cannot recollect which on the one side and a range of raised gardens with terraces on the other it had been a very hot day the evening was delightful the dew moistened the fading grass no wind was stirring the air was fresh without chillness the setting sun had tinged the clouds with a beautiful crimson which was again reflected by the water and the trees that bordered the terrace were filled with nightingales who were continually answering each other's songs i walked along in a kind of ecstasy giving up my heart and senses to the enjoyment of so many delights and sighing only from a regret of enjoying them alone absorbed in this pleasing reverie i lengthened my walk till it grew very late 
without perceiving i was tired at length however i discovered it and threw myself on the step of a kind of niche or false door in the terrace wall how charming was the couch the trees formed a stately canopy a nightingale sat directly over me and with his soft notes lulled me to rest how pleasing my repose my awaking more so on opening my eyes i saw the water the verdure and the admirable landscape before me i arose shook off the remains of drowsiness and finding i was hungry retook the way to the city resolving with inexpressible gaiety to spend the two pieces of six francs i had yet remaining in a good breakfast i found myself so cheerful that i went all the way singing i even remember i sang a cantata of battistin's called the baths of tomery which i knew by heart may a blessing light on the good battistin and his good cantata which procured me a better breakfast than i had expected and a still better dinner which i did not expect at all in the midst of my singing i heard some one behind me and turning round perceived an antonine who followed after and seemed to listen with pleasure to my song at length accosting me he asked if i understood music i answered a little but in a manner to have it understood i knew a great deal and as he continued questioning of me related a part of my story he asked me if i had ever copied music i replied often which was true i had learned most by copying well continued he come with me i can employ you for a few days during which time you shall want for nothing provided you consent not to quit my room i acquiesced very willingly and followed him this antonine was called monsieur rolichon he loved music understood it and sang in some little concerts with his friends thus far all was innocent and right but apparently this taste had become a furor part of which he was obliged to conceal he conducted me into a chamber where i found a great quantity of music he gave me some to copy particularly the cantata he had heard me singing and which he was shortly to sing himself i remained here three or four days copying all the time i did not eat for never in my life was i so hungry or better fed 
monsieur rolichon brought my provisions himself from the kitchen and it appeared that these good priests lived well at least if every one fared as i did in my life i never took such pleasure in eating and it must be owned this good cheer came very opportunely for i was almost exhausted i worked as heartily as i ate which is saying a great deal tis true i was not as correct as diligent for some days after meeting m rolichon in the street he informed me there were so many omissions repetitions and transpositions in the parts i had copied that they could not be performed it must be owned that in choosing the profession of music i hit on that i was least calculated for yet my voice was good and i copied neatly but the fatigue of long works bewilders me so much that i spend more time in altering and scratching out than in pricking down and if i do not employ the strictest attention in comparing the several parts they are sure to fail in the execution thus through endeavouring to do well my performance was very faulty for aiming at expedition i did all amiss this did not prevent m rolichon from treating me well to the last and giving me half a crown at my departure which i certainly did not deserve and which completely set me up for a few days after i received news from madame de varence who was at chambery with money to defray the expenses of my journey to her which i performed with rapture since then my finances have frequently been very low but never at such an ebb as to reduce me to fasting and i mark this period with a heart fully alive to the bounty of providence as the last of my life in which i sustained poverty and hunger end of section 17 recording by martin geeson in hazelmere surrey section 18 of confessions volumes 3 and 4 this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by martin geeson confessions volumes 3 and 4 by jean jacques rousseau anonymously translated section 18 i remained at lyon seven or eight days to wait for some little commissions with which madame de varence had charged mademoiselle du chatelet 
who during this interval i visited more assiduously than before having the pleasure of talking with her of her friend and being no longer disturbed by the cruel remembrance of my situation or painful endeavours to conceal it mademoiselle du chatelet was neither young nor handsome but did not want for elegance she was easy and obliging while her understanding gave price to her familiarity she had a taste for that kind of moral observation which leads to the knowledge of mankind and from her originated that study in myself she was fond of the works of le sage particularly gilles blas which she lent me and recommended to my perusal i read this performance with pleasure but my judgment was not yet ripe enough to relish that sort of reading i liked romances which abounded with high-flown sentiments thus did i pass my time at the grate of mademoiselle du chatelet with as much profit as pleasure it is certain that the interesting and sensible conversation of a deserving woman is more proper to form the understanding of a young man than all the pedantic philosophy of books i got acquainted at the chassat with some other boarders and their friends and among the rest with a young person of fourteen called mademoiselle serre whom i did not much notice at that time though i was in love with her eight or nine years afterwards and with great reason for she was a most charming girl i was fully occupied with the idea of seeing madame de varens and this gave some respite to my chimeras for finding happiness in real objects i was the less inclined to seek it in non-entities i had not only found her but also by her means and near her an agreeable situation she having sent me word that she had procured one that would suit me and by which i should not be obliged to quit her i exhausted all my conjectures in guessing what this occupation could be but i must have possessed the art of divination to have hit it on the right i had money sufficient to make my journey agreeable mademoiselle du chatelet persuaded me to hire a horse but this i could not consent to and i was certainly right for by so doing i should have lost the pleasure of the last pedestrian expedition i ever made for i cannot give that name to those excursions i have frequently taken about my own neighbourhood while i lived at moutier 
it is very singular that my imagination never rises so high as when my situation is least agreeable or cheerful when everything smiles around me i am least amused my heart cannot confine itself to realities cannot embellish but must create real objects strike me as they really are my imagination can only decorate ideal ones if i would paint the spring it must be in winter if i describe a beautiful landscape it must be while surrounded with walls and i have said a hundred times that were i confined in the bastille i could draw the most enchanting picture of liberty on my departure from lyon i saw nothing but an agreeable future the content i now with reason enjoyed was as great as my discontent had been at leaving paris notwithstanding i had not during this journey any of those delightful reveries i then enjoyed my mind was serene and that was all i drew near the excellent friend i was going to see my heart overflowing with tenderness enjoying in advance but without intoxication the pleasure of living near her i had always expected this and it was as if nothing new had happened meantime i was anxious about the employment madame de varens had procured me as if that alone had been material my ideas were calm and peaceable not ravishing and celestial every object struck my sight in its natural form i observed the surrounding landscape remarked the trees the houses the springs deliberated on the cross-roads was fearful of losing myself yet did not do so in a word i was no longer in the empyrean but precisely where i found myself or sometimes perhaps at the end of my journey never farther i am in recounting my travels as i was in making them loath to arrive at the conclusion my heart beat with joy as i approached my dear madame de varens but i went no faster on that account i love to walk at my ease and stop at leisure a strolling life is necessary to me travelling on foot in a fine country with fine weather and having an agreeable object to terminate my journey is the manner of living of all others most suited to my taste it is already understood what i mean by a fine country 
never can a flat one though ever so beautiful appear such in my eyes i must have torrents fir-trees black woods mountains to climb or descend and rugged roads with precipices on either side to alarm me i experienced this pleasure in its utmost extent as i approached chambery not far from a mountain which is called pas de l'echelle above the main road which is hewn through the rock a small river runs and rushes into fearful chasms which it appears to have been millions of ages in forming the road has been hedged by a parapet to prevent accidents which enabled me to contemplate the whole descent and gain vertigos at pleasure for a great part of my amusement in these steep rocks is they cause a giddiness and swimming in my head which i am particularly fond of provided i am in safety leaning therefore over the parapet i remained whole hours catching from time to time a glance of the froth and blue water whose rushing caught my ear mingled with the cries of ravens and other birds of prey that flew from rock to rock and bush to bush at six hundred feet below me in places where the slope was tolerably regular and clear enough from bushes to let stones roll freely i went a considerable way to gather them bringing those i could but just carry which i piled on the parapet and then threw down one after the other being transported at seeing them roll rebound and fly into a thousand pieces before they reached the bottom of the precipice near chambery i enjoyed an equally pleasing spectacle though of a different kind the road passing near the foot of the most charming cascade i ever saw the water which is very rapid shoots from the top of an excessively steep mountain falling at such a distance from its base that you may walk between the cascade and the rock without any inconvenience but if not particularly careful it is easy to be deceived as i was for the water falling from such an immense height separates and descends in a rain as fine as dust and on approaching too near this cloud without perceiving it you may be wet through in an instant at length i arrived at madame de varence she was not alone the intendant-general was with her without speaking a word to me she caught my hand and presenting me to him with that natural grace which charmed all hearts said 
this sir is the poor young man i mentioned deign to protect him as long as he deserves it and i shall feel no concern for the remainder of his life then added addressing herself to me child you now belong to the king thank monsieur the intendant who furnishes you with the means of existence i stared without answering without knowing what to think of all this rising ambition almost turned my head i was already prepared to act the intendant myself my fortune however was not so brilliant as i had imagined but it was sufficient to maintain me which as i was situated was a capital acquisition i shall now explain the nature of my employment king victor amade judging from the event of preceding wars and the situation of the ancient patrimony of his fathers that he should no longer be able to maintain it wished to drain it beforehand resolving therefore to tax the nobility he ordered a general survey of the whole country in order that it might be rendered more equal and productive this scheme which was begun under the father was completed by the son two or three hundred men part surveyors who were called geometricians and part writers who were called secretaries were employed in this work among those of the latter description madame de varence had got me appointed this post without being very lucrative furnished the means of living eligibly in that country the misfortune was this employment could not be of any great duration but it put me in train to procure something better as by this means she hoped to ensure the particular protection of the intendant who might find me some more settled occupation before this was concluded i entered on my new employment a few days after my arrival and as there was no great difficulty in the business soon understood it thus after four or five years of unsettled life folly and suffering since my departure from geneva i began for the first time to gain my bread with credit these long details of my early youth must have appeared trifling and i am sorry for it though born a man in a variety of instances i was long a child and am so yet in many particulars i did not promise the public a great personage i promised to describe myself as i am and to know me in my advanced age it was necessary to have known me in my youth as in general 
objects that are present make less impression on me than the bare remembrance of them my ideas being all from recollection the first traits which were engraven on my mind have distinctly remained those which have since been imprinted there have rather combined with the former than effaced them there is a certain yet varied succession of affections and ideas which continue to regulate those that follow them and this progression must be known in order to judge rightly of those they have influenced i have studied to develop the first causes the better to show the concatenation of effects i would be able by some means to render my soul transparent to the eyes of the reader and for this purpose endeavour to show it in every possible point of view to give him every insight and act in such a manner that not a motion should escape him as by this means he may form a judgment of the principles that produce them did i take upon myself to decide and say to the reader such is my character he might think that if i did not endeavour to deceive him i at least deceived myself but in recounting simply all that has happened to me all my actions thoughts and feelings i cannot lead him into an error unless i do it wilfully which by this means i could not easily effect since it is his province to compare the elements and judge of the being they compose thus the result must be his work and if he is then deceived the error will be his own it is not sufficient for this purpose that my recital should be merely faithful they must also be minute it is not for me to judge of the importance of facts i ought to declare them simply as they are and leave the estimate that is to be formed of them to him i have adhered to this principle hitherto with the most scrupulous exactitude and shall not depart from it in the continuation but the impressions of age are less lively than those of youth i began by delineating the latter should i recollect the rest with the same precision the reader may perhaps become weary and impatient but i shall not be dissatisfied with my labour i have but one thing to apprehend in this undertaking i do not dread saying too much or advancing falsities but i am fearful of not saying enough or concealing truths End of section 18 Recording by Martin Giessen in Hazelmere, Surrey
End of Confessions, Volumes 3 and 4, by Jean-Jacques Rousseau, anonymously translated. Section 1 of Confessions, Volumes 5 and 6. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Martin Giessen. Confessions, Volumes 5 and 6, by Jean-Jacques Rousseau anonymously translated section one volume five it was i believe in seventeen hundred and thirty-two that i arrived at chambery as already related and began my employment of registering land for the king i was almost twenty-one my mind well enough formed for my age with respect to sense but very deficient in point of judgment and needing every instruction from those into whose hands i fell to make me conduct myself with propriety for a few years experience had not been able to cure me radically of my romantic ideas and notwithstanding the ills i had sustained i knew as little of the world or mankind as if i had never purchased instruction i slept at home that is at the house of madame de varens but it was not as at annecy here were no gardens no brook no landscape the house was dark and dismal and my apartment the most gloomy of the whole the prospect a dead wall an alley instead of a street confined air bad light small rooms iron bars rats and a rotten floor an assemblage of circumstances that do not constitute a very agreeable habitation but i was in the same house with my best friend incessantly near her at my desk or in her chamber so that i could not perceive the gloominess of my own or have time to think of it it may appear whimsical that she should reside at chambery on purpose to live in this disagreeable house but it was a tray of contrivance which i ought not to pass over in silence she had no great inclination for a journey to turin fearing that after the recent revolutions and the agitation in which the court yet was she should not be very favourably received there but her affairs seemed to demand her presence as she feared being forgotten or ill-treated particularly as the comte de saint laurent intendant-general of the finances was not in her interest he had an old house in chambery ill-built 
and standing in so disagreeable a situation that it was always untenanted she hired and settled in this house a plan that succeeded much better than a journey to turin would have done for her pension was not suppressed and the comte de saint laurent was ever after one of her best friends her household was much on the old footing her faithful claude annet still remained with her he was as i have before mentioned a peasant of moutru who in his childhood had gathered herbs in jura for the purpose of making swiss tea she had taken him into her service for his knowledge of drugs finding it convenient to have a herbalist among her domestics passionately fond of the study of plants he became a real botanist and had he not died young might have acquired as much fame in that science as he deserved for being an honest man serious even to gravity and older than myself he was to me a kind of tutor commanding respect and preserving me from a number of follies for i dared not forget myself before him he commanded it likewise from his mistress who knew his understanding uprightness and inviolable attachment to herself and returned it claude annet was of an uncommon temper i never encountered a similar disposition he was slow deliberate and circumspect in his conduct cold in his manner laconic and sententious in his discourse yet of an impetuosity in his passions which though careful to conceal preyed upon him inwardly and urged him to the only folly he ever committed that folly indeed was terrible it was poisoning himself this tragic scene passed soon after my arrival and opened my eyes to the intimacy that subsisted between claude annet and his mistress for had not the information come from her i should never have suspected it yet surely if attachment fidelity and zeal could merit such a recompense it was due to him and what further proves him worthy such a distinction he never once abused her confidence they seldom disputed and their disagreements ever ended amicably one indeed was not so fortunate his mistress in a passion said something affronting which not being able to digest he consulted only with despair and finding a bottle of laudanum at hand drank it off then went peaceably to bed expecting to awake no more madame de varens herself was uneasy agitated wandering about the house 
and happily finding the phial empty guessed the rest her screams when flying to his assistance alarmed me she confessed all implored my help and was fortunate enough after repeated efforts to make him throw up the laudanum witness of this scene i could not but wonder at my stupidity in never having suspected the connection but claudanet was so discreet that a more penetrating observer might have been deceived their reconciliation affected me and added respect to the esteem i before felt for him from this time i became in some measure his pupil nor did i find myself the worse for his instruction i could not learn without pain that she lived in greater intimacy with another than with myself it was a situation i had not even thought of but which was very natural it hurt me to see another in possession of it nevertheless instead of feeling any aversion to the person who had this advantage over me i found the attachment i felt for her actually extend to him i desired her happiness above all things and since he was concerned in her plan of felicity i was content he should be happy likewise meantime he perfectly entered into the views of his mistress conceived a sincere friendship for me and without affecting the authority his situation might have entitled him to he naturally possessed that which his superior judgment gave him over mine i dared do nothing he disapproved of but he was sure to disapprove only what merited disapprobation thus we lived in an union which rendered us mutually happy and which death alone could dissolve one proof of the excellence of this amiable woman's character is that all those who loved her loved each other even jealousy and rivalship submitting to the more powerful sentiment with which she inspired them and i never saw any of those who surrounded her entertain the least ill-will among themselves let the reader pause a moment on this encomium and if he can recollect any other woman who deserves it let him attach himself to her if he would obtain happiness from my arrival at chambery to my departure for paris seventeen hundred and forty one included an interval of eight or nine years during which time i have few adventures to relate my life being as simple as it was agreeable this uniformity was precisely what was most wanting to complete the formation of my character 
which continual troubles had prevented from acquiring any degree of stability it was during this pleasing interval that my unconnected unfinished education gained consistence and made me what i have unalterably remained amid the storms with which i have since been surrounded the progress was slow almost imperceptible and attended by few memorable circumstances yet it deserves to be followed and investigated at first i was wholly occupied with my business the constraint of a desk left little opportunity for other thoughts the small portion of time i was at liberty was passed with my dear madame de varens and not having leisure to read i felt no inclination for it but when my business by daily repetition became familiar and my mind was less occupied study again became necessary and as my desires were ever irritated by any difficulty that opposed the indulgence of them might once more have become a passion as at my master's had not other inclinations interposed and diverted it though our occupation did not demand a very profound skill in arithmetic it sometimes required enough to puzzle me to conquer this difficulty i purchased books which treated on that science and learned well for i now studied alone practical arithmetic extends further than is usually supposed if you would attain exact precision there are operations of extreme length in which i have sometimes seen good geometricians lose themselves reflection assisted by practice gives clear ideas and enables you to devise shorter methods these inventions flatter our self-complacency while their exactitude satisfies our understanding and renders a study pleasant which is of itself heavy and unentertaining at length i became so expert as not to be puzzled by any question that was solvable by arithmetical calculation and even now while everything i formerly knew fades daily on my memory this acquirement in a great measure remains through an interval of thirty years a few days ago in a journey i made to davenport being with my host at an arithmetical lesson given his children i did with pleasure and without errors a most complicated work while setting down my figures methought i was still at chambery still in my days of happiness how far had i to look back for them the coloured plans of our geometricians had given me a taste for drawing 
accordingly i bought colours and began by attempting flowers and landscapes it was unfortunate that i had not talents for this art for my inclination was much disposed to it and while surrounded with crayons pencils and colours i could have passed whole months without wishing to leave them this amusement engaged me so much that they were obliged to force me from it and thus it is with every inclination i give into it continues to augment till at length it becomes so powerful that i lose sight of everything except the favourite amusement years have not been able to cure me of that fault nay have not even diminished it for while i am writing this behold me like an old dotard infatuated with another to me useless study which i do not understand and which even those who have devoted their youthful days to the acquisition of are constrained to abandon at the age i am beginning with it end of section one Recording by Martin Geeson in Hazelmere, Surrey. $5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, $300. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash I earn from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code GAME to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus. 